This is Advantage Kids, Hour 9, and I am here, I don't, I don't even know where to begin, but I am here with a very dear friend, colleague, black American, Umani Jones. <laughs> I am up? a black American. You are a black American. If nothing else. In fact, that's all I know. I ain't done no 23 in me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need, that's as deep as I need to get with it. I'm going to say two things before we get into this conversation. One, um, I want everyone to listen and I want everyone to find Advantage Kids on the Apple Podcasts um, because that's a great place to listen to podcasts, especially Advantage Kids. Also, before this, I should have done this hours ago because this thing is keeping me hydrated, but Daily Harvest. I've been drinking this smoothie. It's got caffeine in it, which I greatly need. Daily Harvest makes healthy eating easy with delicious plant-based foods that are ready in as little as 30 seconds so you can do more of what you actually want to be doing. What I actually want to be doing is making it 24 hours. I appreciate it, Daily Harvest, for keeping your boy caffeinated and healthy. Bamani, what's up, man? I'm good, man. How you been? I'm good. I'm like, I'm... I feel like I'm approaching like loopy hour. Yeah, because you've been doing this for a minute now. I can't imagine doing nine straight hours. Yeah, um, and we got more ahead of us. Um, <laughs> and I'm a pro. Like this is what like, I do. Like this is literally what you. And I do. can't imagine doing nine. Yeah, um, I, I have you know with each person. This has been like an amazing day because I I've seen just like a lot lots of loved ones. Mm-hmm. But like each person I want to talk to and like kick it with for two hours. But I want to get to some. I want some high some highlights with you. One. Um, congratulations on the fact that you have a show and it's still on. Still on, bro. It's still on. And not only is it still on, uh, it's called High Noon. Yes. And it's not, it's, is it, it's not at noon anymore? It will not be at noon starting September 11th. It will be High Afternoon. Are you renaming it? Well, it's still going to be High Noon. Okay. We're just going to have to slide <laughs> after in between. It'll be High Noon in LA. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about it. I actually think that you can make an argument that it's more appropriate moniker. If it's high noon, but it's not actually noon. I like that. Afro um, man type stuff. You know I like, what I mean? I like that. Um, how is it? I mean, it's very fun for me because, you know, I somehow have ended up in a life where I can like look at television and see people I know, you know, like, that's weird, right? It's, it's very weird. And, you know, so like I look at around the horn and like, you know, I see Yates mm-hmm. every now and then I, you know, I turn on ESPN like there's Jacoby. With your show, it's like, damn, I know 100% of the people on television. <laughs> yes. I know you well, and I know Pablo well. Yes. It's amazing. How it, like, I know this show, just from being, like, peripherally near y'all and it, was, like, a long time coming. Yeah. How is it, like, finally, like, was there a moment where you like, is this ever going to happen? We'll see... Sort of, but not really, right? Because the, is this ever going to happen for me was way before I ever should have thought it was ever going to happen for me in the first place, right? Like, you know how it goes when you first get on and you get a little something in the game and it's like your first taste of something big. Like you thought net 30 was actually net 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you th- like you think it's about to be around the corner. Like I re- look back on the things I thought in like 2002 or what I thought was around the corner. Like a couple more years, I might be able to, you know, like, you know, that's kind of how it goes. So I've been doing that show with Dan, uh, Highly Questionable, and I enjoyed it like a great deal. Like I really enjoyed it. I just needed something that was a little bit more for me personally. Like yeah. not that that show wasn't big, enough but i needed something that was more for me and so we did we went to upfronts for espn in 2017 is with uh-huh. a big advertiser thing and we go out there and they announced the show was being for january cool and then we get closer to january and ain't nobody told me nothing and all i can glean from this is that this show ain't coming on in no january yeah. like like nobody has told me that this is not going to happen yes. but that's all i could do so yeah it did get to a point after that but we knew it was gonna happen we just want somebody to tell us when that time was going to be. Yes. But it becomes hard because people are like, damn, your show, da, 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 and everything else. And you can't say nothing to them. And yeah. so you just got to sit there. And I don't know if you've noticed this about me. I ain't really in the business of just letting people say stuff. Yes, I have noticed that about it's, you. It's not, really, it's not really my inclination. Yeah. But I had no choice because, you know, the money. So, you know. But yeah. you're there now, man. Like, if you would ask me while I was doing HQ what I wanted next – it's pretty much everything that I would have asked for. It is the co-host that I would ask for. It is the producer that I would ask for. It is the production team that I would have asked for. It is yeah. literally everything I would have asked for. And it's fun, which is crucial because a lot of people get everything they ask for and then they don't like it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, you know, 
I can tell that it's always nice when someone's, you know, it's, it's, it kind of goes around the circle where like you are in a line of work that like probably still sometimes like you have to pinch yourself that this is what you do for a living. Yeah. But then sometimes that line of work that you can't believe you get to do for a living ends up being disappointing. Yes. So like you are now like doing something you can't believe you're getting to do for a living and it actually is fun. Yeah. Well, so the thing for me is, you know, this industry has kicked my ass a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like to a degree, the, oh my God, I get to do this for a living kind of wore off a while ago because I got to do it for a living for a lot less money. It was a lot more painful. Right. Um, But in a way it didn't flip back the other way on it where it was just like, no, because now I've got it like literally the way that I want it. You know, like there are a couple of things I'd like to change, obviously, but I got really what I want. And I think I'm lucky in the sense that I see other people who often get exactly what it is that they want and they're miserable. Like they get it and it doesn't do it for them. I legitimately enjoy the people that I see at work every day. Like I enjoy the way that we go about what we're doing every day. And part of that is because I make a concerted effort to enjoy it. Like that's what it's going to be. Like you, you, I I don't fully buy the idea that you determine your attitude. It's not that simple. I I also do not. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's not that simple, right? It's not a light light switch. Yeah. But you can max out the fun you have within the context of that attitude. Yeah. And we are maxing it out on this bad boy. I love it. Um, how is uh, living in New York for you? Because you're coming from Miami. Yes. Now, I prefer to live in Miami. You prefer it? Absolutely prefer uh-huh. New York to Miami. Miami ain't for living, man. Miami's for visiting. Miami's for stopping through for a couple of days. Um, and it's fine, right? Now, and you were there for how many years? Five. Yeah. That's I was like, there for five. Like, for me, that's like like the way you're supposed to, like, you're not supposed to be in Vegas on day three. Yes. You you did it for five years. Yes, that that is very that is very much like what it is. Yeah. But the thing is, and I want to be clear, I'm not trying to stun on nobody, but this is an important point. I moved to New York with money. Yes, and that changes everything. Yeah. Not even so much because it's like, oh, I have all this super nice stuff, right? It's that when this day has ground me down, and you've been riding on the subway, you've been doing a million different things. Yeah. I come back to a place that's got space. Right. Like there's a recharge that you can do that I feel like it's not just, yes, New York's expensive and all this stuff, but it's like, what can you do here to get away that is within the city? Like even within your own space, do you have enough space within your own space that you were able to get away? Yeah. And that's a, that's the luxury that I have while I'm here is being able to do that. It's not, for people, it's not, oh, the rent's so high. It's not just that the rent is high, it's that the rent is high for like this small ass shit. Yes. And I got to skip those steps. So yeah, yes. New York is great for me. But like, oh, if somebody yeah. asked me, like, I'm moving to New York, what do you think? I'd be like, ah. So how do you feel about a roommate? Yes. I had that conversation with somebody last week. So I was like, are you above having a roommate? I mean, not that I'm asking you to move in with me. I'm just saying, well, are you above I, a roommate? I mean, it's what I tell, like, <clears throat> being here, like, I moved here at 22. And I, you know, there was like a three or four year period where I tried to get all the Atlanta homies to move here. But it was because I wanted them to taste New York and maybe move to New York before they hit the point of no return. Yes. It makes mm-hmm. no sense to go from living in a five-bedroom house. <laughs> right. While even when you don't have that much money, to moving here and having three roommates. Like yes. if you if you've never experienced like I, I've, I'm only going in the direction where my quality of life is getting better. Yes. And if I ever go back to Atlanta, it's gonna go from zero to a hundred. Yes. But like the idea of like making it, making it, making it in a place like Atlanta and then doubling back. I'm like, that will drive you insane. Yo, dialing down lifestyle, the hardest thing in the world for anybody to do, right? Like every decision that I make on buying stuff, I look at it as, can I live like this for the rest of my life? Honestly, because it's like, I can't, go back like it doesn't work that way and it's yeah. little things yeah. that you wind up looking at here in new york where it's just like can i go back and even though even if you got it you wind up like i'm looking around, it's like hey man you know maybe i can go back to that two-bedroom life like i got all the space i don't necessarily use like yeah. maybe i can dial back a little bit because that's what new york does new york makes everything compact oh yeah um speaking of just like you know quality of life i saw you two nights ago yes you did uh there was a screening of the shop, yes. The new HBO uh, Maverick Carter, LeBron James, um, thirty-minute show. Surprisingly which, good. Oh, I just I love hearing 
LeBron say yes nigga. yes yes repeatedly 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 I, like i remember like the first time beyonce said nigga and i was like i was like jumping up and down like hearing lebron say it like 35 times yes. in 30 minutes yes. i was just like oh i will i don't care what they're talking about I will the watch first this. time i heard him say it i was like oh okay this is what this is gonna be okay All right, okay yeah you have my attention yeah and you know and i think that that is for people, I feel like for me and you of similar backgrounds yeah. to hear that and to be, and what I mean by similar backgrounds in this case is, I do not mean this in the sense of LeBron is black, we are black, or that LeBron is black and accomplished, we are black and accomplished. Now your your game goes a little different than mine, where I grew up with probably more of a bourgeois existence, except my father is not so down with that bourgeois. So I went to like I went to the school I wasn't supposed to go to, and it was a step down from the school that I was supposed to go to. You coming up in the West End and then going to the private school in that way, but it's it's a back and forth between worlds of sorts, right? Yeah, but hey. but when I went to Dartmouth. My Morehouse Spelman family thought it was like yes. that was not seen as like a step up. Exactly, they were just like we don't know if we like this. Or right, not. right, Dartmouth, right. Dartmouth, yeah, but but it's between these spaces, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you see a cat like LeBron, like okay, when you're in this one space, this is something that you might say. But then you go to this other space, and then you don't say it. And when you're public like LeBron is, you're always in that other space. So LeBron was like, actually, no. Yep. This is what we're going to do here, yeah. and I dare somebody to say something about yeah. it, and nobody cared. They're just like, it. oh man, they just rolling. I loved it. Here's just, my thing though: did, any, did anybody other than like the, of the athletes, did anybody else get in the N word bonanza, or was LeBron the only one to feel so comfortable to be like, yeah, I got you? Draymond didn't. Odell didn't. No. Uh, it was it was it was literally him, Mav, and uh, Gerard Carmichael. That's right, Gerard. Yeah, Gerard Carmichael's like, look, I, look, I'm an actor. Yeah. <laughs> like we have we play by different rules. Yeah, like yeah, he was talking about like going to Africa. Yes, he was like, I love these niggas. <laughs> yeah. By the way, whose agent is Gerard? Car like, who, who is Gerard Carmichael's agent? Because I feel like his agent did an amazing job getting him in him. this room. He ain't even got a TV show right now, do he? No. He did, did they take him off the air? Yeah. And he got in. And he got into this. That's that. That's that fifteen percent right there. Yeah. Shout out to Vince Staples. I like Vince a lot, but this is a pretty heavy room for Vince to be in. Yeah. And like Vince got in like three lines. Yes. But yes. did not get cut from the 30 minute segment. He did not. He did not. They got him in the chair, you know? Yeah. I um the reason I brought up seeing you outside mm -hmm. of talking about it is that I noticed you were carrying this bag that you have with you. Oh, you're talking about the Louis? I'm talking about the Louis. Yeah, I got a Louis bag. I carry a Louis so bag. So I've never worn or carried a bag like that because mm -hmm. I does the part with the zippers the part of the zipper doesn't go on your back. Well, does it go across like your chest? The zippers wind up on the side here. And so I'll do a demonstration for you. So I'll yes. put it over my shoulder right there. Uh -huh. and so if I need to pull something out of it, I just got to pull it this way. Gotcha. Or I could move the strap from this side. Sling bag, as they call it. I could move the strap from this huh. side to this side. I did not know that you could yes. sling it from one side would you, to yes, the other. Would you like to hear about my Louis bag journey? Yes. Oh, my I will, God. I will, I, tell, I will tell you about my Louis bag journey. So this is my Louis bag journey. Yeah. I went to Portugal this summer. Mm-hmm. And while I'm in Portugal, you know, you wearing swim with swim trucks. I'm wearing hooping shorts. You ever been you know, to Portugal before? I had never been to Portugal before. I went and checked it out. But I am a person who tends to have a lot of stuff in his pockets. But when you got a bunch of stuff <sighs> in your pockets yes. and you're wearing hooping shorts, they all swing and everything else. And you're trying to reach in and you're trying to find it's stuff. It's a terrible existence. Yeah, you can't really do it. And so while I was in Portugal, I wound up with a small bag. Right. Like, I don't remember. I don't know how exactly to describe it. But with this stuff, I just wound up having a small bag and I used that small bag. I'm in Portugal, you know, yeah. I kept stuff like my headphones. I'd put them like in the bag. bag? Like yeah, yeah. Shoulder bag? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But it was much smaller. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. But I just I was able to keep certain things in there while I carried it. And I didn't have the stuff in my pockets. And I felt so free. Like it was just such an easier walk. And I was like, you know what? There's only but so long that I'm going to allow toxic masculinity to stop me from doing something that it. makes perfect sense, right? I, and so I went, and then you got to get the right bag because, I mean, you, you know me fairly well. Yeah. I ain't really no sporty type dude. I'm not one of these new dudes. I am a, <laughs> like, I'm a pretty traditionally masculine sort of cat, you yeah. know? Like, I'm not knocking you for being a new dude if you are a new dude, and you're pretty newy, right? You're, you're newish. You're you're aging out of your newness. I am. Thank you. Yeah, so th I say th you're, thankfully. You're yeah, aging yeah, out yeah, of your thankfully. newness. But like that's not me, right? Yeah. So I had to get the right bag, you know? Yes. Like cuz I mean, I'll be real. I was down to carry a bag. I had no interest in carrying a purse. All right? I got you. And so I got me a bag. It's right here. It's not a purse, and I will be perfectly honest with you. Part of the bag, the choice of bag that I had was with the thought process that if somebody has something to say about it, 
I'll just ask them if they can afford it. <laughs> and I bet the answer is probably going to be no. But true story, I was walking by Grand Central the other day. Someone had some... And some random, like the random is white dude, right? I, huh. I, I just I just visualize it. Yeah, I'll give him, him. I got him. Probably early 40s, right? I'll give you early 40s, walking on Madison around Grand Central. Okay. Nondescript as you could imagine. Yes. And he taps me on the shoulder and I can't figure out why. And he's like, I like your bag. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And then he pulls out his wallet and he's like, it matched. It, it, it apparently, he had like, it's from the same set. He had the Louis wallet. wallet that was from the same set. And the next thing you know, me and him were standing down the street talking about Louis bags. And if you thought for a second that 18 year old me ever oh thought I'd be standing on the street corner in New God. York City talking about Louis accessories with some random white man in New York City, I would, that never would have happened. That, that, of all the people, that I would be like, yeah, this happened to them. You were very low on my list. <laughs> yes, You're extremely yes. low but, on my list. But no, I look in here, like I keep like some ginger candy in there because you know sometimes your oh stomach ain't great. I like to carry Altoids, so I keep my Altoids in you here. You don't have Werther's in there. You no, know, I do like, not. I'm not, not that you're old. Not auntie, right? I'm not that old. I'm not that old, right? But I got my Altoids in here. I keep an umbrella in here. You don't have to say what this is, but I think you could imagine what this is. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Yeah, technology, man. 21st century, you do things a whole different way. Then I can come in here, you know, keep my badge for work. Got some headache medicine. And I will admit, though, when I put the headache medicine in there, I was like, wow, this is dangerous and close to being a purse. Yes. But now, nah, man, I got all my stuff that I need right here. And so wherever I go, boom, I can just snatch this up. When I got to go through the metal detector, you know what I'm saying? Boom, just throw that down. I ain't got to reach in my pockets and get all that change out. This is incredible. Yeah, so I'm all about this bag life. And it's funny, Pablo called out my Louis bag on TV today. And I was like, dog, I had made a decision that I was just going to carry the bag. Not say nothing. Not make yeah. no thing. It really is a social experiment. And I found. Anyway, nobody said a thing to me about my bag. Here's the thing. I kind of like mm -hmm. it. And it's not. It's less of the Louis. It's yeah. less of. But I have been like the past six months like a tote bag carrier. Yeah, man. And one. I, I, I prefer it to a backpack because like, you know, if I'm in the airport. I can just pull laptop out. Yes. But the one dangerous thing about laptop is that it does. I mean, about the tote is that it does become just a, a like a vacuum of stuff. Yes. Where it just becomes like, oh, it's going to take me three minutes to find my keys because I yes. also have like three books, a laptop, mm -hmm. uh, three phone chargers, blah, blah. I like the fact that only so many things can yeah, go in there. But also, let me, you have to be selective in let, terms of what you take out of the house. Let, with you. But let me put you on the game. Oh, you got, you got compartments? There's room. Oh, my God. I could fit an iPad right here. Oh, like shit. with no external case on it, oh but like God. I could put a smart cover on the iPad, and if I wanted to, I could carry the iPad around just like this, baby. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. This is incredible. It, the, there are not many places where I feel as though there is legitimate like female privilege, but the ability to carry around a bag that leaves you prepared for all sorts of contingencies. That's incredible. That is a privilege that women have, and I decided, you know what? I want me some of that privilege. Have you have you have you have you worn the bag around the fam? Yep. Everybody, anybody tripping? Great. Honestly, like I think we as people have come, and also honestly, I don't even know how many of them notice. Now, I did go to the U.S. Open the other day, right? And so we were there at the same time. We just yeah. didn't know it. But the U.S. Open, they the email I got. They were like, "You got to dress tennis how, smart." Also, how good is Federer's outfit? Oh yeah, it's bananas. It's just the fire I've ever seen. Like, always, he's always. He's like up, Uniqlo, right? Nike, and he's gonna talk. I need the same hue. I need the same thing. Yes, like, top, top to bottom, bottom. top yeah. to bottom. Right, y'all all want the full contract. Don't matter. Y'all gonna have to work together. Mm -hmm. um, and so I go to the U.S. Open. They sent us an email. They were like, "You got to dress tennis smart." I don't know nothing about what no tennis <laughs> smart is, right? But I had to do something new duty that I had never really done before, which is the joggers, right? So oh. I wore I wore a pair of navy blue joggers and I had a like salmon color polo with the navy blue horsey, and then I had on some Jordan tens that kind of were the same salmon with some blue on them, you know, and all of that. I don't know if joggers are your best look. They I would not make the argument that they are, but it worked out okay. No, no, I, I think it's fine. It's just like like you begin to like get into because you're 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 very tall and gangly. then you start looking like kevin durant yes yes you're correct and i was i was apprehensive about this yeah. but i had to say i was standing there in a pink polo and some joggers with a louis bag over my shoulder and i'd like to once again say there's no <laughs> way you would have convinced 18 year old me that there would be a point that i would be doing all those that the, all these things would be happening at the same time i love it unlikely but i did it and i'm good with it um before um we get out of here um, we we share a uh, 
an affinity and a love for the same part of Southwest Atlanta. Yes, we do. Um, which is why I was really happy that you wanted to come because like, like most people don't know where I'm talking about. I know exactly where you're talking like, about. Like the fact that I'm talking about like McGee Tennis Center and Washington Park. Yes. And like the fact that black tennis is a thing and all that stuff. Like, and like I remember one of the first times we met and I said something like Beecher Road. <laughs> Your face lit up. You're like, oh, shit. I was like, that's the, even in all my time in Atlanta, I hadn't heard nobody talk about Beecher Road. Yeah. But I, like, I went to school. They go straight to Cascade. Yeah. They don't well, say Beecher. Yeah, I went to Beecher. And I think I told you that, you know, my parents, you know, Afrocentric with theirs. They used to go to a, like, a couple of real Afrocentric schools right over there. Like one was over there off Epworth, Upworth, yeah. off Calvinton Road, up that back way. But the other one, Beecher would get you toward Emerald. The school was all <laughs> Emerald. I remember the address is 1644 Emerald Avenue. Uh-huh. And so you take Beecher to South Gordon. Oh, and yeah. then South Gordon to take you back around there. So, like, these, like, I did not grow up in Atlanta. I was born in Atlanta. Yes. I grew up in Houston. But I went to college in Atlanta. My Everybody else in my family is basically from Atlanta. And but, your dad was teaching at Morehouse. Yeah, oh, Clark. He, he, he Clark, taught at AU. He taught at Atlanta because, University. Because my mother knew, like, I I remember bringing you up to my mom mm-hmm. and, um, and mentioning that your father worked and AU because my mom also was like teaching at AU before right. Clark became like all that. And she was like, huh? Like, I wonder if he's related to your father. So my mom already knew. Yeah. yeah, and, Mac Jones. yeah and my mom was in, 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 extremely more impressed by you. She was like, Oh, okay. Like he's like, <laughs> that the like, game. like, that's like, that's like that, that man was raised by a very <laughs> black man. Yeah. But I say, but the, the, the two of them, that's a fair point. Right. Yeah. But, but that is, I have an affection for like that part of the city. Uh-huh. That I don't really have for anything else, like not even like where I grew up. Like there's something very personal about that part of town, yeah. and you know what it is. So yeah, when you say you're doing something for that, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm here. Oh yeah, I mean, and it's like, like when it's so funny because I've I've said this a couple times, like when people have been like, oh, like when you say like, there's so many words that aren't typical black buzzwords, like camp. Yes. Like tennis. Yes. You know, like. Tennis summer camp that like screams like white sleepaway <laughs> right. academy, you right? Know? And it's like like the fact that this was like an a hundred percent black camp that for like most families was just like I need a place to like keep my kid out of trouble from May to August, correct? <laughs> you know, and then like a third of the kids end up liking tennis, and then an eighth of the kids actually end up getting in the college because of this camp and right. only because of this camp, because right. like around sophomore year, you start seeing like the coach from John C. Smith and the coach from Morgan state mm-hmm. and the coach from fam. And like, you got more else than, you know, you have all the local stuff, but like, it's, it's like this very interesting HBCU pipeline that like, you know, like I, you know, my mother was my mother. So like, I was never like, I had never even really, there was never a plan for tennis to get me into college. Right. There was a world in which I might play tennis at the college I go to. Right. But that's because my mother is is an academic who like she was a tennis parent. But, you know, while a lot of my peers were beginning to like get homeschooled and like, you know, this is the Serena Venus mm-hmm. Tiger Renaissance of like suddenly there were black kids at all the driver at, at, at Johnny White at the <laughs> right. driver range, blah, blah, blah. She was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, like. There's no universe in which I would ever, like, take you to one of these, like, kind of fake-ass homeschools that, mm-hmm. like, it's like, okay, you're going to read for one hour and then go play <laughs> tennis for 15 hours. Right. But it's just, like, like it's it's been very funny just in the week that I've been kind of talking about this to kind of, like, debunk, like, like the, the notion of <clears throat> tennis being, like, this exclusively white elite thing. Yeah, well, what I think... People don't understand. Um, like I studied under a gentleman named Sandy Darity when I was at the University of North Carolina, uh-huh. and he did something that was like refuting the "quote unquote" acting white hypothesis. And one point they found in that, as I recall, was that the kids who got picked on, like for not being "quote unquote" black enough um, for making good grades and stuff, were in majority white environments. Like the good yeah. grades and stuff were actually a proxy for like these other things and these other associations that people had. But when you get people in an environment that's all black, 
it's so much more diverse than people give it credit for That's being. So like they don't understand that because look, if you are in an all black environment and there's five kids playing tennis, you can't say that playing tennis ain't black, right? Because it's five it's five black kids over there playing tennis, like within this. And so like I find like people I find really interesting when I meet them. People from Atlanta, and when I say Atlanta, I mean city of City of right. People from Atlanta, from Detroit, from Memphis. These places that are like where they, where the people that are that we're talking about are coming from walled wall walled wall black spaces. Yeah, they tend to get into all kinds of stuff that people think that black folks don't do yeah. because of what their assumptions are. But when you drop anybody off in any space and give them something to do, man, they down to do it yeah. if it's fun. Also, like there just are courts. Yes, there are courts all over. There's it's a- easier to find a tennis court in Southwest Atlanta than it is to find a basketball court. There are court like there are. It's not just courts. There are like full. Tennis, tennis centers like scattered all over the city of Atlanta. Yeah, like it is, like it, it's it's hard to avoid it. Yes, yeah, and like they they are much more prevalent than just like you know like I feel like for most places it's like there's a there's a basketball court and then there's this like a tennis court that used to have a net. Yes, like so, someone drew the lines <laughs> once. Yes, and now it's just like you know. Yes, but like no, like people play. And the other thing I was I was talking earlier about, I was like. The tennis center that I grew up in, again, like thinking, I was thinking about this when we were watching the shop. I was like, my mom used to drop me off at eight and pick me up at eight. Most of the kids went home at five. So I had three hours of just like listening to like old men <laughs> who didn't even bring tennis stuff. Right. Just hang just it out. Just talking shit. Just like, just like hearing that, like, you know, like getting to overhear the dialogue between older folk and how they like, you know, how they talk to one another, how they make jokes and right. like what jokes land. And like, it was very barbershop esque. Like you had the people who were there every day to play. You also had the people who, you know, just like, this is where they went after work right. to kick it, right. you know? And I, that almost as much as playing tennis was like a like transformative thing, especially the fact that I was still going there once I went to white school in middle school. Yes. Because like, if that's I, a crucial thing under those it's circumstances. It's a very too. crucial thing. Like to like have a counterbalance yeah. and like, you know, and not it, like not be like, well, I did this. And then now like I did this up until fifth grade and now I'm going to take all the things and hopefully hold on to it <laughs> and now go to white school and hope for the best. Yeah. You know? No, that ain't going to work. Man, I think, People need to notice, man. Here's what black folks about, man. Black folks about black folks doing well. It don't even matter really what it is. Like, did you ever you watch Akila and the Bee when that was yeah, in the movie theater? I remember I wrote something about it, and I was like, it reminded me so much of my experience of like doing all these things that people would assume the black folks would not be down for, and they would always have my back for it. Like, went into big tournaments and stuff like that. And I'll never forget the director of that movie sent me an email. I was like, oh man, you nailed this. He was like, you got exactly the point of what this movie was that yeah. we were trying to make. And that's what I think about like with the tennis stuff. Like, oh man, y'all over there playing tennis, man. You good at something, man? We with it. Like Venus yeah. and Serena killing that tennis ain't like man, I ain't done with no tennis. No, look at this. Yeah. We at you. Yeah. Also, I will say, um, and this is just a shout out to <clears throat> Washington Park and Coach Wink. Like, they have ESPN on the as uh, when as long as the tennis center is open, mm-hmm. ESPN is on, and they were very excited. Like they have always been very excited that I knew you <laughs> and today my coach was like yo is that the same rachel nichols <laughs> that tweeted out the link i was like same rachel nichols and he was just like he was just pumped you know right. because like he always he teases that like every time i come in town like i must be up to something mm-hmm. you know and like he you know he didn't really have a full grasp of what this was right uh but you know like my mom like explained it and he's like, Oh, <laughs> this is really cool. And I'm just like, this is, you know, it's, it's just awesome. And I'm glad that you had some time to swing through. No, no problem. We'll say fun observation. After you said the thing with the coach and then you mentioned me, I thought the next thing you were going to say was also about me. And he asked, is that the, and then you said Rachel, but I wasn't expecting <laughs> you to say Rachel. So I thought you said racial. And then the next word came and I was like, wait, what? Oh, Rachel Nichols. I thought you, I thought, I was like, I thought your man was calling me a racial N word. And I did not understand how insist that even made, but I was not going to be so thrilled with that. Uh, but we good. It's Rachel. Rachel cool as hell. Rachel cool as hell. Um, well, Bamani, thank you. Um, I gotta, 
I got a Morehouse man coming in next, Mr. Coltrane Curtis. No, let me you get. Know, no, let me you know get, Trey? I don't know him, but you said enough to make me want to get the hell out of here. He's <laughs> the best. I mean, I bet he is, right? Um, I, I hold that robbery. I still have fun with it. The problem is, man, you can't really joke with the Morehouse dudes about that, right? Because you make a joke about Morehouse, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I make more money than you. And they, <laughs> you and they, the and back. They, and they don't. But um, that's always the thing. They are. This is. This is. Uh, the best they're different people they're different people these be the basketball games i'm about that's all right that's okay y'all gonna work for us someday i remember that you hear that like there was a morehouse girlfriend insecure i did see that it is it i mean was, well, what is it uh they don't teach modesty at morehouse <laughs> and just to be clear they'll tell you they don't they teach they teach the exact opposite it's i'm the, not even shading them the for mystique. it they don't the morehouse mystique. but you know what though it works man like the thing i always say about morehouse for all my criticisms of it is there's something to be said for having an aspirational brand for us, and it is an aspirational brand for people. If I didn't grow up three minutes away, I would have gone to Morehouse. But like, I was like, my mom's right there. Yeah, I don't know what it would have took for me to go there. <laughs> I don't like the chain of circumstances that would require. I'm not exactly sure, but hey, man, give people something to aim for. Yeah, aim high, and after you go to Morehouse, aim a little higher, and maybe you can be me. Bamani Jones. <laughs> High noon. Currently that's, at noon. East Coast the, time. That's the most asshole thing what I've ever said my... in my life. That's the. I'm dead. I'm dead. I am deceased. Get me out of here. Is it 24 hours yet? Oh my god. Bring it. All right. I'm take... Is that him? Yeah. Oh, he doesn't seem like a Morehouse dude at all. I know. That's why he's the best. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Then. It's all right. Then. We good. Mm-hmm. But body loves cool trade. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> And uh, you don't look like a Morehouse motherfucker at all. <laughs> you may have known this. There's this vast superior institution right across the street. <laughs> That's a good one. I like how you played that. I that is a vast superior institution. Class of 90. Okay, I got I got the clock in ninety seven. No, that's not that far. Jinx us over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now y'all was so broken. I can't. I know. Just get. Bro, thank you, man. Thank you, man. No problem, though. Excuse my tardiness. Yeah, it's all good. Bo had to talk about his Louis bag for. I'm surprised he had a Louis bag on. Oh, that's that's the whole. You got that money now. Yo, now I got to cut the check. Um, can I um, uh. Get another Montauk beer. I can get it for you. Uh, no. Who's um, that? I got some in my ear. Is that the voice of God? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm back on MTV and shit. It's like Jared in my ear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and I, I love that this is like, this, this no, is the so best. Good. Um, hold up, Bamani's back. Wait, the bag is back. The bag. All I saw was point and laugh. Oh no, I, 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 just, I just asked for a beer, and he didn't oh, know okay. we were just like. No, we like, 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 about to look at me dead in my face. <laughs> <laughs> he told me you just caught a bag, though. Yeah, literally and figuratively, he said you got. A bag. He got the bag. He's, yeah, got, he's in his bag, and he got a bag. I, got bag. I didn't bring a bag. I took my shoes off as soon as I got here. So I love it. Um, <laughs> this is like a pretty uh, legendary hour of this podcast because I've just gone from Bamani Jones to Coltrane Curtis. Bag versus minus bag. Yeah. 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 Bag versus non-bag. Um, Coltrane, yeah, how man. are you? How you doing, brother? You're I'm, looking like you, you're looking good. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm like in my third win. Like I'm like, I was, I, I was tired and okay. I was like, you know, I'm not, I wasn't regretting it because the kids, Right. But I was also like, maybe I should have done 12,000 in 12 hours. Right. Yeah, you'd be beat. Yeah, nah, but, like, um, and we're getting older, so. Coach yeah. Ryan, I would like you to yeah, um, just like, um, I've been having people do this. Uh, like, if you had to like gold, silver, bronze, like hierarchically say like the things that you do that's, that takes up the most of your time, like like professionally, pu- like personally, blah, blah, blah. Like what's, what's the number one, two, and three thing? Gold, silver, bronze. Gold, dad. Um... I did it the right way. I plan on continuing to do it the right way. It takes a lot of effort. I've got a, uh, got a six-year-old that'll be seven in November. He was born 11, 11, 11. We call him the golden child. And I've got, his name is Ellington. And shout I've out Ellington. Got, shout out Ellington. And I've got a new one. He's about nine weeks. His name is Count. 
Um, he came four and a half weeks early, came home at 3.8 pounds. Huh. Now he's at about nine weeks, and he's about 14 pounds. Oh, okay. Um, so we're very blessed. So I would say the, the, the thing that takes up, and it, as it should, is being a dad. Yeah. Um, the second thing uh, is obviously Team Epiphany, my company. Yeah. Um, How many years? 15 years next year. Congrats. Yeah, got a ball head to prove it. <laughs> and, um, and selfishly, you know, I don't know if I have a third thing, man. Um, I would say probably if I had to say third thing, I would say it's really my wife, Lisa. So thinking about her, her wellness, her well-being, um, and across her well-being being not only gold and silver mom, um, but also supreme ruler of Team Epiphany, you know, yeah. and what comes with that. So I would say, you know, it's being a dad, it's being a, a company owner yeah. um, that I really, uh, you know, really care about my life as, and, and what Team Epiphany's created and the opportunities that it's created for people to have really amazing careers when they probably wouldn't even be in this industry alone. And then the third one would be um, hanging out with my wife, man, and making sure that, you know, her wellness and her being throughout the first two. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably caused more stress than, for her than the first two, but um, that's, you, that's top three. You've employed uh, a, a significant number of dear friends of mine. Oh, gosh. Um, which I, I, I've always appreciated, oh, you know. I hope they still like Like, like young Obamacare, just out here providing jobs. <laughs> Yo, man, listen, man. Listen, man. It's like... Uh, shout, out, shout out Alex Covington. Shout out Alex. I wish she was still with me, but she's doing great things. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because it's like, you know, you have this company and, um, you know, most people think it's just all about the work. You know, for me, it's all about the people. It's always yeah. been about the people. And it's always been challenging when you lose great people. Mm -hmm. And you lose great people for a couple of reasons, right? You lose them because they got to go on and do bigger and greater things. Um, you lose people because you sometimes screw up. Um, and I think you lose people because they have the same ambitions as you, you know? So I would be a hypocrite if I didn't support nor respect what other people want to do. And um, I would just say, you know, I never think about my agency about as, you know, the amount of people that we hire or what those people look like that we hire. Um, but, you know, maybe in 30 years when I retire, I'll sit back and, you know, have a good glass of something and a yeah. roll up one and think about it, you know. But I am, I'm very fortunate what I do. I do also, one thing that I've always appreciated because I've actually talked about this with a couple people who have mm. come on this podcast, which is, um, you know, as as a, um, and I'm sure you felt this to some extent also, like as a black man moving to New York, you know, a lot of times you're like waiting, you, you, you're you waiting for like someone to like, you know, take you under their wing mm -hmm. and show you the ropes. And a lot of times that is like met with disappointment because mm -hmm. of the rat race where mm -hmm. like even mm -hmm. the people above you are mm -hmm. trying to, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> figure their shit out, you yeah. know? Yeah. And you know, it's always been wonderful for, I know, people like me, people like uh, Mark Anthony Green, <laughs> Young Mag, um, just like to like know that there is someone who um, got here, got to New York before you got to New York, like made connections before you made connections and like, you know, like that, like treats you in a non-competitive way, but also like holds you to a very high standard yeah. of like i want you to make it to you know peerdom level yeah. like like i remember when i started you know like would like go to things and see you there and it felt <clears throat> like okay like i guess i'm doing something right yeah you know like i guess like i'm i'm beginning to carve out my own niche in this town in this industry whatever it is and you know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, I think sometimes resent, you know, people like encroaching on territory. And I've always found like you just like I I want more like black folk and young folk and hungry folk to like continue to like bust through these doors with me. Well, when you think about it, it's like, you know, I think you can look at our culture, you know, obviously we're two young brothers doing it, trying to figure out our way. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't had much mentorship. You know, my dad died six years ago and my life completely stopped for a while because that was literally the only person that I had that I had looked up to that that's what it was. Right. Um, and I kind of think if you can, you know, in front of you, I always have to try to be eloquent and, you know, smart and shit. But, you know, it's kind of like grandma's couch with the plastic on it. 
And yeah. grandma never got a chance to enjoy it because she had the plastic on it. And the reason why she bought it because it was beautiful and it was soft and it was, you know, and I think, you know, if there's some, you know, if I can be symbolic for a second, but it's like, I feel like what I do and what Team Epiphany does, what, you know, what most brothers should do for us is take the plastic off the couch and let everybody to sit. Yeah. You know, um, and nowadays I think, you know, we're afraid of sharing our hand if we're playing spades or cards. Most people are afraid of showing their hand and afraid of showing, you know, their true emotion, you know, like, you know, like it's like you got to, you know, stick your chest out, you know, afraid of failure, bang your chest and let everybody see all your wins. But the yeah. reality is, is like I've always been transparent. You know, what I mean, I mean, I think even the way that I use social, you know, it's like, you know, I, I'm just, you know, you're not going to run up on me and, and there's no skeletons in the closet because I'm going to allow you to see them before you can pull them out on me, exactly. you know, and I want everyone to know that, like, you know, I'm figuring this out as, as I go along, you know, like there's no road model, you know, you know, there's no rule book to kind of doing what I do. And it's like, you know, when people look at back at success and they're like, you know, what's successful, I have a completely different model of what success is. I get a chance to spend time with the people that I love all day long. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, people be like, oh, my gosh, you work for you. Yeah, I actually started my own agency and I work for my wife. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, but, I you know, it. you work for your wife and you spend so much time and there's no downtime. And I'm like, well, what's so wrong about that? Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, like I've decided that this is the woman I'm going to be with and this is who I want to spend my time with. And I double down and I get a chance to hang out with her and I get a chance to hang out with some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. So I would just say Team Epiphany is just a collection of some of the smartest people I've ever met. Hopefully they stick for a lifetime, and when they don't, they go other places that, and they bring us in other places, you know? Yeah. So when you talk about Alex at the wing or you talk about Jesus, I mean, we're, you know, we're all types of, you know, Evan, and, you know, he's a bleacher. And, yeah. like, you know, you start talking about where everybody goes, and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited for the reunion in 15 years, when in 30 years, and see what everybody does and how we make the world just fly. That's how I always feel about, like, I've, when I talk about um, – uh, Bill Simmons, mm. I always like consider he was like an amazing boss, but like he like he built a team like a GM, mm -hmm. and but it's it, it's closer to like when people talk about the coaching trees, yeah, where it's like there are so many. It would kind of be weird if everyone still worked for him because no one would actually trust that their skill set was transferable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like everyone knows where this thing started, and everyone knows that like where I refine my and hone my skills and everyone knows that any opportunity to collaborate down the road will always be through him. And also I don't work for him, but I still like, <laughs> like seek his approval on everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I love that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, it's a, it's a good thing when I think there's a nice, there's a nice world of like having someone who's like territorial, but also knows when to like let you run, like let you let you run. Um, one thing that we've never talked about that I've always been interested uh -oh. um, is like what, um, what was Morehouse like for you? Mm. Oh man, this is this is what we here for three hours. I got to get another <laughs> twenty four hours on this. Uh, Morehouse for me was rough. Uh huh. Morehouse for me was rough. Um, you're coming from Bed-Stuy. Coming from Bed-Stuy. Coming from Montclair, actually. So okay. I went to uh, PS208 and Avenue D and East 48th Street and East Flatbush for okay. K through 12. And then I went to Berkeley Carroll in Brooklyn, a private school from 6 through 9. And then I moved to Montclair, New Jersey for 10 through 12. Okay. Um, and then I went to Morehouse. Um, Did you go to Montclair High? I went to Montclair High. graduated from Montclair High. Um, go Mounties. And uh, I went to Morehouse. And, you know, I only applied to one school. I got a photography scholarship from the NAACP. I won an AXO award in photography uh -huh. for two years in a row. Funny enough, the last photo that I won um, was a picture of Spike Lee. Um, my dad got me access to shoot Spike. He was doing the premiere of Malcolm X at the Harlem Victoria uh, 5 Theater on 125th Street. Okay. And uh, I took this photo, won, got some money, went to Morehouse, only applied to one school, and got there. I was in Graves Hall, the Honors Dorm. Was Morehouse like implanted in your head? It was kind of like, I mean, I think it was implanted in everybody's head. I mean, it was the era of watching the Cosby show in a different world. And it was yeah. just like, that's all I really knew. Yeah. You know, and I was, you know, I was at Montclair High School. You know, me and my friend Nandi started like, you know, the African Student Association. We wore black for a year. So it was just kind of like, yeah. that's kind of like where I was at. My parents both met in jail as activists and Panthers. And, uh -huh. You know, and, and um, you know, I get to Morehouse and it's like amazing brotherhood, you know, but I kind of felt like I didn't really fit in, you know. Um, I got into a lot of trouble, not like not going to class and doing those things. Freshman year, I started a company called Zulu Condoms. Um, and basically, it was like, a, uh, you know, I was stealing condoms from, 
you know, Planned Parenthood, repackaging them in uh, singles and three packs and selling them with T-shirts in my dorm. And in my window, I had this like mannequin that was kind of like this black mannequin. He was like super diesel. And um, literally, like if my shade was open in the window, you knew you could come through and get condoms and, you know, you could buy a T-shirt. And yeah. So kids was, you know, we were practicing safe sex. It was yeah. kind of like that whole like that whole movement. And right from there, you know, the school got really upset about what I was doing out of huh. my dorm room. And, um, you know, my dad came down and he was just like, you know, like I gave him the money to do this. Like we're entrepreneurs. I don't know why you're pushing back on him. He's not doing anything detrimental. He's actually helping. Yeah, it's actually, the you know, and, other way. and that's when I kind of really knew like the school is going to be tough for me because, you know, I wasn't going finance. I wasn't going pre-med. I wasn't going pre-law. You know, my dad wasn't a preacher. You know, I wasn't going to the church. And I realized like, you know, there were very few people for me to be mentored is a, uh, a, a professor by the name of Dr. Vest that kind of like helped me get through. Okay. But, you know, it was tough. I mean, Morehouse took me five and a half years to get out, mm -hmm. you know, including summers. I would probably say I was educated as much as by Morehouse as I was Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's where I kind of like gritted my teeth. So it was like when I was at the polo store, like I was at the polo store in Lenox Mall, 96 during the Olympics. God bless. Um, and, you know, at the time it was, you know, I was in there selling, you know, kids in the hood, like, you have to make sure your, your horse is matched. You know yeah. what I mean? So Wait, kids wasn't... I have, to, I have to show you this. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> kids kids basically were like, yo, you got to have your horse matched. So your visor and your socks and your... Wow, Freaksnick 96, yo. That's what it was, yo. Shout it what it do. Shout it what it is. You know? Like, I came out of my dorm, like, right out of, like... Uh, Graves Hall, I think I was at, you know, and he came out the back door and like, this was Freaknik. Boom, I, was I like, dip, you dip, we dip. Yeah. <laughs> yo, yo, shot it low. <laughs> Prince Raheem the Dream. God, you know, it's so funny that you said all that because I, like a lot of my New York, like, contingent mm -hmm. are like black men who are like weirdos at Morehouse, for Morehouse. Oh, gosh. Like, I can, I, those are all my guys too. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I can talk Corey Smith. Yeah, uh, Jinx Byron, is walking in next. Really? And like, oh, Byron Kirkland. Yeah, like, um, you like, know. But it was so funny because I, I, like, I used to hang out when I would come home for Thanksgiving, Christmas. I would hang out at Graves because like my my Atlanta homies went that went to Morehouse, mm -hmm. then met all these other people, and then. Like, I, but then, like, I, like, I, I remember meeting them when I was, like, 18, 19, 20, and then suddenly, like, three, four years later, we're all in New York, and I'm just like, damn, like, we all met just they, when I would come home oh, it was for the a, holidays, and they were all just like, yeah, like, I love Morehouse. I'm just, like, kind of weird. I mean, <laughs> like, they all, like, are, everyone's killing it. Yeah, and, yo, I mean, and, you know, maybe it's something in the water, you know, maybe it's something in the sauce, maybe something in Shivers dining room, you know what I mean, dining hall, like, yeah. but... The reality is, is like, you know, there's still Kyle Hagler's, you know, there's still Derek Watkins. There's still like all of these guys that I kind of like were friends with. We didn't weren't like boys then, you a, know, a shared experience. Yeah. Though. And and now we kind of have like uh, interesting kind of like narrative to tell. But like, you know, like now I do a scholarship at Morehouse in my dad's name. You know, um, it, it, it identifies kids with two point five and up GPAs because I wasn't a four student. And it services kids in the business department that are interested in learning about business and finding themselves in it. And they basically get this scholarship and they get an opportunity to come up here to New York, spend a summer with me, literally with me, like outside of my office. And we go to meetings together and, you know, you write decks and you work and you do events and you, you know, like, and it gives them the full experience that I never really had. But I kind of did have because of my dad, you know. Yeah. So I think like that's what's important. And especially, you know. Having an agency and you know diversity being a huge issue in our in our in our in our industry, you know, it's people like me and other folks who's it's our responsibility to make sure that we identify the young kids before they pick a career path of being safe. Exactly. You know, like these schools don't really prepare you for the gray area, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. for a creative world. So I think you know I think. You know, my life could have gone left real quick. You know what I mean? Um, it didn't. I work really hard at it. Um, and, you know, here I am. But I think it's my job now not to be like, you know, give back. Like, I'm not dead yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I ain't giving back. You know, I think it's more about, like, you know, me just supporting people the way in which I wish I was supported. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's super interesting. And, um, oh, yeah, look at us. We're still on time. Mm -hmm. um, and Shanks ain't here. Um, we good morning. Yeah. Also, just like for the record, both of our shoes are off. Yeah. I feel amazing. 
Yeah, you got this little Lux. Like, yeah. No dogs are in here. My dogs <laughs> will pee all over this beautiful, this beautiful carpet. Yo. I don't have um, anything nice anymore in my house. This is a question that I have just as, because this is, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this, this, this world of someone who, um, how you keep, how you, like, practice keeping a, a kid grounded that has more than you had. Because, and I only, I asked this from a place of, like, I grew up in one neighborhood, then went to a school on the other side of town, and like watched what happened every year, which was like, I, I literally have always thought of my life as like an investment that my mother made. Like people are like, how did you go to private school? And I'm like, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like I've never known how my mom paid or did that. Mm -hmm. And she never was going to let me know. She just like was going to get it done Mm -hmm. because at a certain point she was like, I, I can't have you going here. Like I need you, I need to put you in the best, position and hopefully like the 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 skills and the things that i've taught you up until this point are gonna like remain and not completely disappear when you go to the other so you go to school over by emory mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. which is it's mm-hmm. like 10 minutes away but right. it's like a world away yeah i know um and so like that that level of like not wanting to waste my mother's money mm-hmm. and wanting knowing that she was like putting everything on the line it's like was such a driving force in me staying out of trouble and me doing well in school and me all that stuff like and that's something i i think about like for the future and i'm always um um curious to hear from people who have already had are raising children in terms of like because i know that's something that you've thought about yeah i'm sure i'll be honest i'm sure um you know you try to provide your kid a life that is better than yours I think I had a pretty great life as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process of creating this, you know, perfect existence for them, you kind of don't introduce them to the experiences, the negative experiences or the real life experiences that you had that make you who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, Ellington goes to private school. He's got, you know, classroom of 12 three teachers in the classroom they teach three languages at the same time he's fluent in mandarin writes characters reads characters speaks spanish he's six years old you know and you look on paper and he's great you know but then when you really think about like you know he's the only black kid in his class um he ain't grown up in the hood you know he doesn't understand haves and have nots he doesn't really have a value of a dollar Mm-hmm. You know, you think about all these things, it's great on paper that you want to talk about, but then you really think about the things that you have to help him, you know, become. But the only way you can do that is allowing him to live. But the way in which you want to protect him and make sure his life is perfect, he's almost not living a little bit, right? Get it. Yeah. He lives in a Petri dish. So, you know, I think there are different ways that, you know, I want him to know like Ramik and Malik and Jay Sean and like all the kids that I grew up with. But the reality is he's with the Ethans and the Teddies and the Bobbies. Right. So like, you know, with him, you know, I think sport and playing sports is a very big piece for him. Yeah. Um, and making sure like he loves basketball, like that's a big thing. So mm-hmm. making sure that he's playing with kids that play ball. You know, the reality is he's not going to make, you know, he's not going to get a scholarship to D1. He ain't going pro. You know, I just want to give him an opportunity to, like, play sport. Like, when I grew up. Like, sports exposure. Yeah. You know? when, when I grew up, I played pop Warner football for the Limvet Jets. Yeah. You know, um, I played football from contact football from 7 to 12. When I was 12, I stopped playing. My dad started coaching the team. Lamar Odom was the quarterback of the football team. He was a left-handed, six foot three, twelve-year-old. You know what I mean? And like, these are the kids that like we're growing up with, right? Um, and I just got to make sure that I find those activities for him, as opposed to when I was a kid. Those are the only activities that I had. So I think um, it's a little bit about gotta be one of many, one of many. Yeah, that. It's, it's big, like you know, and that's the reason why he will always live in New York. That's the reason why he will grow up in New York. That's the reason why we'll never move to L.A. Mm-hmm. I'm never raising no brown boy in L.A. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's gonna be here. I know what trouble looks like. I know what success looks like. You know, and I know that, yo, he's gonna get on the subway. He's gonna get the sneakers stolen. You know, but I think the difference nowadays is like, you know, I have my Jordans five stolen on in front of. You know, on Utica in front of, in front of you know, boys and girls in the wintertime, walk home all the way to Monroe Street in my socks because the kid took my sneakers. But I realized, like, you know, 
back in the day, like all they would do is take your sneakers or maybe punch you in your face. You know, nowadays, like you get stabbed a shot. So it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, so it's a little bit of like Stakes understanding. Have changed, yeah, know, it's, a, it's, it's a little rough, you know, but, you know, um, I give as much time to my company as I give to my, my kids. And I think it's very important that I create um, opportunity for them to experience the real world, but still protect them so I know that they're going to come home at the end of the day. Absolutely. That's like a big thing for me. Though. Yeah. That's like a big thing. But being a dad is, um, is, is pretty humbling, man. It's pretty humbling, you know. Um, big one last night, my, 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 my youngest guy slept through the night by himself. Like shit like that. Like, yeah. Like people don't really understand what that is. But it's like, you know what? He slept through the night, you know? It doesn't mean that my wife doesn't have to get up two times in the night to hit the breast pump, yeah. you know? And it doesn't mean the fact that she wakes up being refreshed and, you know, but for that us, they're those little milestones, man. And I think those are the things that allow you to kind of like traverse every day. Like knowing the fact that you're winning at home allows me to kind of go to work and get punched in the face every day. It's funny. One of the things that like has motivated me to just do this whole 24 hours is mm -hmm. like, yo, I just had like a couple friends that had babies. Mm. They don't sleep. Mm. <laughs> I can do it. I mean, you don't sleep, you put on weight like me, but yeah. I'm working on it. But no, I mean, I think this is an incredible cause. I'm going to donate $1,000. Holy shit. Um, thank you. No. Thank, it's for them, not for you. Who are you, thank, Who are you hanging out? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I definitely want to do that. Um, you know, hit the ATM for you guys. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, you know tennis is an, in a, is an amazing sport. Um, I think what if you thought if some of those athletes, uh, uh, brothers that look like us, who aren't built like us, would play tennis? Yeah. You know, what if LeBron decided to play tennis? What yeah. would that look like? You know, like, you know, we, you know, what if, what if, what if Giannis decided to play tennis? What does that look like? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I'm a kid that grew up in tennis. I grew up at uh, South Oxford Tennis Club, um, you know, in Fort Greene, yeah. you know, and that's where I learned to play. And it was just, you know, a great sport. I'm, a, I'm more of a team sport guy. You know, my wife played tennis and I uh -huh. always laugh at her. I'd be like, yo, that's the reason why you're so mean to everybody. <laughs> You're the only person winning on the field. But I was like, you know, I play team sports. But no, I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. Um, and, yo, Rem, I mean, not to be soft about it, but, man, I mean, we're all proud of you, man. Like, Thanks, I mean, man. it's like, I mean, come on, man. We're proud of you. I mean, I reached out to Rem. We were, we were doing this thing for BET, and um, it was for uh, the, the Social Media Awards. And we did this uh, museum called The House. It was like the, the Meme Museum. It was one of the best things I've ever done. I mean, you it know. It was one of the best things I've ever done. It was one of the best things we've ever done, too. Ugh. You know? And it was just like, it was, um, I think, you know, we all learned a lot. We also, when I learned how to work with BET, I learned how to <laughs> make magic out of, you know, no budget. Um, which we do a lot, you know, but I think more importantly, it was about sharing, you I know, got to make something also. Like, yeah, it's tangible. Of, it's like, yo, like, yeah, if it, it, like it was like after a year and like that has actually steered the course because that was at the top of the year. It steered yeah. the course for my year of making stuff because yeah. like I hit a point where I'm like, I'm tired of writing about people, other people who make stuff. Right. I want to make something that people can come see. And like it was so fun for me. Because my name wasn't on it, and I was happy my name wasn't on it, because I just got to sit and watch people experience it, and no one knew it was me. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, one of the greatest feelings, because I saw people enjoying it, and mm -hmm. I was like, God, like, I wish I could, I want to bottle this feeling. No, man, I mean, forever. I think, like, I think running an agency, you know, I think the first thing you understand is, like, you know, it's like, running an agency is like being a good jump shooter. Uh-huh. You keep shooting. You know what I mean? Shoot, like, shoot. You, yeah. sh you shoot. You shoot. And even if you miss a couple shots, you still shoot. And I think what was really amazing about that opportunity was um, the courage and the ability to go back and continue to shoot for brands was also, you know, I think reflective of the energy that you brought to that project where it was like, you know, like, yo, like my man's really excited about this. Like for us, it could have been I'm just another really project excited. and it was like, and it showed in the work. And I think like, you know, starting the year off that way with things that again are impactful. So it's like, you know, a lot of times, you know, I have to do things to keep the lights on and make sure that the toilet paper soft in the bathroom for the boys and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But the difference is, is like you really look at the opportunity and the skill sets that we have. And very, very few times in the agency world are you able to meet, you know, the opportunity from a brand with like a vision and a skill set to be able to do something that's amazing for your people. Um, and I think every time that we get those opportunities, it's very, very, very important. So like, you know, we did Insecure season one, season two, season three, you know, if we were, you know, and it was all about like, you know what, let's, let's, let's inspire by what we're doing. Like when we did, um, 
we did uh we launched a quality for Nike at All Star Weekend, you know, and oh, yeah. it was a big one for us because yeah. we work with you know we work with uh, B Mike in his in his studios and. You know, it was very easy for us to kind of like, you know, have a three ring circus, pop it up. And we were like, the community needs something fly. Yeah. The community needs something that they could take away. And then Jared on my team, literally, he decided like he was going to, um, you know, he was like, let's teach these kids the same thing that Nike taught Kyrie and, and Boogie and, yeah. and KD and big, you know, and, and like all these dudes. And it was like, let's teach them the skills. So Jared wrote a curriculum for each one of those disciplines. So nutrition and wellness and and muscle memory and all these different things. And then we came back and we had all the players teach the kids with the one hour that you have. Usually they're like yeah. taking pictures, you know, kissing babies and shit. Um, and literally they were able to teach the kids in New Orleans the curriculum that Jarrett wrote. But it, it was just amazing. And I just think like very few times in our career do we get an opportunity to affect people's lives. So I yeah. just think like, I want to say thank you for that because that was like one that started our year off. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it was it was killer. It's coming back though. We're gonna do another one, fam. Yeah. I'm asking for some money right now. Yo, hell yeah. <laughs> um, yo, um, train. Thank you so much for yeah, coming. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, man. Uh, as we as we reach the end of hour nine, I just want to remind everyone to hit the donate link. Uh, AdvantageKids.co/slash/donate. Donate um, what you can. Too. Donate what you can. Um, I just, even as much as I love the dollars, I love the sheer amount. The fact that like over 300 people have donated. Beautiful. It's incredible. It's incredible. So continue listening, Culture and Curtis. Thank you very much. Thank and you, we'll Hear you. Hear like listen. Hour 10. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs>